Hi, I'm Joanna Chaundy and you're listening to Baggy Jeans, the podcast, where I chat to the female music artists who made the 90s R&B era so unforgettable. We take a nostalgic look back at the music, the videos and the fashion. So whether you're a newbie to this genre or just want to remember how great it was, tune in to Baggy Jeans, where I unpick the seams of 90s R&B. My guest this week is Nicole Ray, now known as Lady Ray. She was one of the first people to be discovered by Missy Elliott when she was a teenager, enabling her to reach stardom very quickly. Since then, her career has been one of ups and downs, but she has finally found a label and a sound that has completely re-established her. How are you, Nicole? I am doing very well. Whereabouts are you calling from? I am calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Everyone seems to be in Atlanta, Georgia. It seems to be the place to be when it comes to music. Oh, yeah. I've been here for about 13 years now. Well, the reason um, we wanted to speak to you, and thank you so much for joining us on the Baggy Jeans podcast, is because we're concentrating on artists that have sort of made their stamp in the 90s, which I feel that you did, Mm -hmm. but you... But you seem to have a really extraordinary journey compared to many other artists. Would you say that's fair? Oh, I sure did have an extraordinary, very extraordinary journey. <laughs> very extraordinary. Some ups and some downs, you know, but it's, you know, it was it was a cool, cool journey, cool journey. I'm glad to be in the place where I am now and still look back and and not have any regrets, you know. So it's definitely been a journey. Very it feels. It feels to me like. Is it fair to say that you were a kind of diamond in the rough when you came out because you were you were thrown into such stardom at such an early age that it must have been quite tough. So, for the listeners, can you just explain how you got into the industry? Oh wow, wow! Let's take you all the way back. Um, I started singing in church around about nine years old because my dad was a, a singer and a deacon in the church, uh, Pentecostal church, black church um, back in Virginia. And I wanted to, I, I saw my dad singing all the time and I wanted to be like my dad. And I was like trying to get the courage. And I and I joined the choir at a young age and they were, they were like, uh, I think it was on a Saturday. I remember being in the pew and, and, and all the kids were there and they were like, anybody want to sing a song? And I was, and my friend is, was standing next to me. Uh, she had to be like nine or 10 as well. And she was like, you want to sing? And she like lifted my hand up. And she was like, Nicole wants to sing. And so I lifted my hand up and they gave me a song to sing. And so we went over to rehearsal all that Saturday. And I think the following week came was a Sunday morning. And I got up there and sang the song. It was called, I Might As Well Think Big. And I never forget it. I sang and I, I forgot the words. <laughs> I'm up there singing and the words, the words just left my mind. And I was like, oh my God. And then the, the choir started helping me. And that's when I knew I really I was like, I really want to do this. And I was like nine or 10 years old. And then from there, um, I would listen to like, you know, uh, R&B music around the house, like Anita Baker, Marvin Gaye. My dad and my mom would play Michael Jackson, the Jackson Five. I mean, I just fell in love with music. And my mom always, she pushed me, you know, she pushed me. She was like, if you want to do this, it's not going to be easy. You have to like stay focused and you have to get your great year work. Your schoolwork has to be, you know, you know, acceptable for you to do this. And um, and my mom and my dad pushed me at a young age. And somehow I ended up running to Missy when I was around 14, 15, 16. How do you just run into Missy? 
I know that's crazy and saying, but Missy Elliott was just M- Melissa to me back then. And she uh, she grew, she grew up and was raised in the same town that I was raised in. And she went to the high school just around the corner from me. And it was a talent show one weekend. And my brother and some of his friends went over to the talent show and and they sang for her. But she said she was looking for a female. And my brother was like, wait a minute. I have a sister. She sings. And so he gave her our home phone number. You know, we still had a home phone back in the day. And, and she called the home phone. I was over at my friend's house and my mom said, there's a girl over here named Melissa Elliott and she wants to meet you and she wants to hear you sing. And I was like, really? And um, I got I came home, I walked through the little path and I came home, home with my friends and she was sitting there and she had like a long ponytail. This is back in her sister days when she was with the group sister. And she came in, she had her magazines and she was like, I heard you can sing and blah, 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 sing something for me. And I sung um, Week by SWV. And nice. she lost it. And she was like, you remind me of Mary J. Blige, like a young, a little young Mary J. Blige. And from there, we just, we just got on the road. We went to Philadelphia to work with some of her producers out there. We went to New York for the first time, which blew my mind to record in like big studios. And I mean, I just was having fun. I was young. And she promised me, she was like, when I get my deal, I'm going to sign you. You're going to be my first artist. And I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I I, I love like Wu Tang, um, uh, Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige, TLC, all of those groups. Aaliyah back in the day, like I didn't know what that meant to get a record deal. I just knew that I was under her. She was like my big sister, and she would make sure that I was okay. And then she did get a big deal, and she did sign me as her first artist. And so it blew me and my mom's mind, my whole family, and and we just went on. We went to go to New York and signed a contract with Sylvia Roan. And on the airplane, you know, it was my first time being on the airplane. It was just, it was amazing. I mean, I was like 16, about to turn 17. So it was amazing. I mean, that is a really young age for somebody to be thrown into the type of situations you were thrown into. That must have been quite daunting, but also exciting. I mean, how did you cope with with that kind of being starstruck and a bit nervous about how how things are going to be to being professional. How did you get to grips with that at that age? I think I'm I'm kind of like a, the the girl next door, and I have a lot of cousins and I have siblings. I took my home and all my friends and everything was in my mind and in my spirit. Everybody was rooting for me and everybody was with me, so I didn't feel I didn't feel the pressure until probably like like years later. I mean, it just felt like second nature, like because I like I said, I was singing since nine years old in church and, and talent shows and all that stuff. My mom put me in all these different, you know, talent searches and all of these things before fame, I guess, sort of to kind of get me ready. Because your video for Make It Hot, which was an awesome tune back in the day. I mean, the video was fire. I mean, you had everyone in that video. And and it's really funny because when I listen to you, I mean, I listen to 90s stuff all the time. But when I listen to Nicole Ray, you you still have that very relevant sounding voice. Like it, it blows my mind to think that you go back that far. You had Aaliyah in the video, Genuine, you had Player in the video, Timberland. I mean, you were one of the original people that Missy kind of brought into her crew as an R&B singer. So how was that being on the set with people like Aaliyah and, and surrounded by so many people that were already established? Wow. When I, I saw Aaliyah, I was always a fan of Aaliyah's growing up. You know, I had, I was Aaliyah, it was Mary, it was TLC, it was Mariah, it was Tony Braxton. And so when I saw her, I was like, wow, I can do this because we're around the same age. 
you know, and she was she was mad cool and her energy was great. I remember Missy going over saying, you know, go tell, you know, say hello to Aaliyah. She's here. I was like, oh my God, Aaliyah is here. And like it just blew my freaking mind. And I went over and she was so happy. She gave me the biggest, juiciest hug. She embraced me as a sister as well. And so I was like, I can do this. I can do this and I can be successful. Oh my God. And genuine, I was just in love. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that I was in the grace in the company with such great musicians and uh like spirited like myself and you know that home down home southern really cool hospitality you know it was really very warm and welcoming and I felt great they like pushed me like a little bird out of the nest like go you can you got it so it was great I always remember your voice uh from all in my grill the single yeah <laughs> and you do have a very unique sounding voice so it's very easy to pinpoint when you're singing on something do you kind of feel like you paved the way for artists like Ashanti and Little Mo and people like that because you seem to be the first person that was rocking that kind of sound um I do feel like I did kind of pave the way I mean I get a lot of people saying that I sound like certain artists today and um and uh wow they're like oh wow you sound like Nicole Ray you know you sound like Little Mo this that and the third so I do I do feel like I did pay homage and I I am that one that you know people listen to to get their artists and I, I ran into another artist a while ago in the studio and this guy he was a uh, I had met him in the studio with one of my producer friends and he said that he was working with his uh young girl and he said he played my whole make it out album for her so she could get the gist of the meat of what they were looking for for her and I was like wow I mean I didn't I didn't have that as an artist you know for anybody to play anything for me so I feel like wow that's really paying homage for them to just sit and, and let an artist just listen to my album. And so she could get the gist of what, where they wanted her to go with her vocals. I thought that was like, wow, that's tipping the hat. And I thought that was awesome. Speaking of tipping the hat, you were very well known for rocking hats in your, in your videos. <laughs> was that something you decided to do as a kind of trademark or was that a stylist yeah. that made you do that? Um, that was actually me, uh, Missy and myself, uh, because we, I loved wearing rocking Kangos off camera. And she was like, those hats look good on you. And so when she saw that the hats look really good on me, I think, um, Kango gave me a few hats and I started wearing a lot of hats and lipstick and hats. That's definitely how I remember Nicole Ray, but from your video from make it hot. And then when you did all in my grill, you noticed a change from a kind of sweet girl that's young and having fun to this sexy new R&B singer. Like, was that a decision that you consciously made to try and mature and change your style? Because the All In My Grill video, uh, you looked fabulous in that. And it was a real big change. But all, all in my grill video, I would have to say I was still young inside and bubbly and still tomboyish. I think it was the the, the designers and the, the stylists and stuff that came through and was like, this video, this song is going to be sexy. Missy's going to be sexy. Nicole's going to be sexy. And that's what it is. And I kind of just I just went on with it. And I felt so when I saw like the makeup back because Billy B did my makeup and me and Billy B and I became really close friends after that. And he was he was just seeing how many like people that were telling him how good that I looked and my makeup was flawless and how beautiful that I looked. 
And I was just like, wow, because still, I was still a tomboy, you know, I'm still bubbly and still a tomboy. So when he told me that I knew it wasn't my decision, but they made a great decision to put me in that leopard. And I love leopard to this day. <laughs> you had like a leopard print skirt and a top on in that video. Is that right? It was a dress. Oh, it was a dress. It was amazing. It was like a leopard uh, body, like a, uh, uh, it's like a, sil- a corset dress, top and skirt. It was the bomb. I don't know who it was made by, but when I look back at that video today, I was like, wow, they really, they really did their thing with that. Yeah. And the yellow theme as well. I think it was June Ambrose, June Ambrose, who designed the clothes and it was China. Uh, she did my hair and Billy B did the makeup. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, the makeup was brilliant in that video. And I love the yellow that you wore in it. There was a yellow theme going through it at some point. The yellow raincoat was amazing. It was like, I don't know, it was like genius. Yeah, it was beautiful. And yeah, it was very wind machine-y, wasn't it? (laughs) It was so much wind that Billy B says that my eyelash, they caked my eyelashes on so thick, he thought that I was going to just fly away like a butterfly (laughs) with my eyelashes because they had that big windmill that was out there. A lot of people think the wind is blowing, but it's not. It's a big wind wind machine that's like blowing you. And I was like, oh, my God, my eyelashes were like so like held on. But it was so much fun. It was so much fun. We had Big Boy was out there from Outcast. It was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. It was just a dream. It was a dream. I mean, it was a great video. And that was back in the 90s when people put a lot of money into videos and it was very glossy. And, and you know, do, do you find that back in the 90s, videos meant a lot more than they do now? Oh, my God. For your pockets. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, we spent a lot of artists back then. We spent a lot of, of our budgets money on on videos. And like today, you can just take your freaking phone and put it on 4G. And record a video and say, bam, I have my video and I'm done. And it, I don't think that it has that much of an effect that it did back in the 90s. It's missing that, uh, it's missing the nostalgia. It's missing that that beauty and the, the creativity that we put into it. We also had a lot of input. And I think now, I think artists just want to just get stuff out. And it's definitely not the same. It's not the same. It's cool, but it's not the same. I was just talking to Missy uh, yesterday. She called me yesterday. And we were talking about the 90s, how everybody... In the 90s, still looked so young. It was beautiful to hear her voice and to talk to her. And and I love how artists artists today, they are working together. They are collabing and, and doing things how we were doing. Speaking of Missy, I mean, you, you definitely had your bumps in the road in your career. And um, it kind of felt like to us in the 90s, Nicole Ray was huge and was doing her thing. And then suddenly you kind of, like went into the background a bit and everyone was like, what's happened to Nicole Ray? And then Missy goes on to her next artist and her next artist and her next artist. Do you feel that yeah. it was, a t- that it might've just been a timing issue? Um, I don't know if it was a timing issue. I just think that I think I know for sure that Missy Elliott was the who's who, the bees knees and everybody was going to her with their artists. And I kind of got lost in that shovel I don't know if it was money that was you know setting her off and working with other artists but I I always feel like you know I always tell artists I wouldn't be signed to another artist again so I I look for artists to just kind of go straight to the label and just be on the label and not kind of go with an artist because the artist is so busy and an artist really doesn't really have that much time to focus on another artist. And I take my head off to her for trying. She always would be my big sister and she always would be the one who discovered me, but I feel like she got way too far gone 
everything you know now about the industry is great. But back then, as a young girl, it must have been really heartbreaking to have to go through that. And your understanding of the industry isn't what it is now. So how did you cope with that at the time? Wow. I had a lot of nights where I cried on my pillow. I slept on the floor. I slept in the car. I felt Missy's vibe. And I was like, well, I don't know if she's really into what I'm doing right now because she has a lot going on. So I kindly asked to be done. I was like, I want to move on. And she was like, there's no love lost. So I moved on. And am I moving on? It took it felt like it took a decade for me to find my way. And, I, and, and in me finding my way, I found myself and I found my real true, that real true soul that was always there. And then I went on to work with Damon Dash with Rockefeller and Black Keys and and I, and Kid Cudi. And it was just a beautiful thing for me because nobody was reaching out to me. It was just like I had this success and I was around everybody and I could reach out to people. And then I would call people and they wouldn't answer the phone. And I felt like uh, bad luck. I was like, I don't know what happened, but this does not feel good. And, and, and I'm back at home in Virginia. It crushed my whole spirit. I was like, I'm going to New York. In that struggle, I found my voice both of my voices, my soul voice and my, my, you know, I'm going to be, make these decisions on my own voice. And that's when I found that I could be tough. I could, I could make my own decisions. And, and I went over to Rockefeller with all those guys. I said, I'm going to go and be signed to Rockefeller. Well, it's funny because I remember, because I was living and working in New York at the time. And I remember going to the press conference that Damon had when he introduced you and oh, they yeah. and you performed uh if i was your girlfriend and i remember oh, yeah. and i remember thinking oh my god this beat is insane and i don't feel like that single got the credit that it should have got it didn't it didn't you know why because him and jay z were like folding the company the company was coming to a crash at the time and i was here again thinking Oh my God, I'm going through this shit again. Why me? You know, I was like, what is happening with me? Every time I get going, here comes somebody crashing my damn dreams. I went back home again and I regrouped and I kept going again. And, and then Damon had, he entered, Damon Dash introduced me to the Black Keys, which kind of like just saved my life. Oh my God. You know, they was giving me credit for things. And I was just like, wow, nobody ever gave me, you know, I would write, I was writing stuff and I was always in the studio, but nobody ever, you know, really cared to say this girl wants to write and she really wants to be an artist artist. And so I thank God for Damon Dash for seeing the beauty and the talent in that, 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 uh, the, the drive in me. He saw that I wanted it. She wanted like a rapper wants it. So I'm going to put her on and he put me on and he put me on. He introduced me. The best thing he could have done was introduce me to the Black Keys because when I heard them sing, it took me back to when I was in church. So you've done like a full circle, really. And you, your journey has brought you right back round to kind of where you started. It sure has. So Big Crown seems to have done you the world of good. Am I right? Because I was listening to your track, Piece of Me. And honestly, it sounds like such an incredible version of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank and I, I would love to hear more of that sound from you. It, it sounds like you found your place. Like, like you listen to it and it's like, this is what she's meant to be doing. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Oh, my God. I'll let you take a piece of me. I hope you get the piece you
true testimony and a true, like, this is where I was trying to get to on my journey. And I'm, I found my place in my little buggy in the dust. And I'm like, I'm here and I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm, I'm relatable. Um, I just want people to know that, but you know, when you work with other artists, they give you your sound, they're writing the music. They're like, this is what it should be. But now I'm writing my own music. I'm writing my own way. And I want people to know how I feel. And, and I want to be able to relate. And people, to, and the songs that I write, I get a lot of people in my DMs and they're like, oh my God, you changed my life. This is my story too. Nicole, if you could look back and give your 17-year-old self some advice, knowing what you know now, what would that be? Um, I would say take my time. Don't make rush decisions. Um, stay happy. Stay fun, you know. Don't get jaded, and um, and keep my family close. I would, I, and I've all, and, and I, and I feel like I've done that without even knowing that I would tell my seventeen-year-old self that. And, and make new friends, make new friends, good, great friends, because I, I wasn't able to make a lot of friends in the industry because everything was moving so fast. Like I tell my husband, I was like, I don't think I have any industry friends. And I was around a lot of people, but I don't have any industry friends that I could call and say, hey, look, hey, Monica, or hey, Brandy, or you know what I mean? Like, I wish that I could tell my 17-year-old self, just kind of relax, relax, and, and go out and meet meet people. And when can the UK expect to hear a new album from you then, Nicole? Oh, my God. I am so excited to announce this album is dropping in November towards the end of the year. It's titled Piece of Me, produced by L. Michaels uh, of Big Crown. Um, we have like about 10 or 11 bangers uh, to follow up with Piece of Me and Come On In that we've released early in the year. And it's very, it's heartfelt, it's heartwarming, and it's uh, relatable. It's that cutthroat, is that, oh my God, it's some sunshine at the end of the freaking rainbow. That's what's about to happen. So you guys got to stay tuned to that. It's called Piece of Me, Lady Ray. AKA Nicole Ray is coming out. It's going to be a headbanger. It's awesome. I cannot emphasize enough how much people really need to check out your new music because it really is mind blowing um, compared to what you were <laughs> in the nineties. It is. It really is. It's nice to see that you've come around and found yourself. Yeah. I had to find myself where I'll be sinking in the swamps. All the stuff that I've been through, you would think I'll be like in the bottoms and done. You know, I've been through a lot. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us. It's been really interesting hearing about your experience in the industry, you know, because it is very different from the everyday artists that you speak to. So I'm glad in a way it's happened to you so that we can hear that now through your music. I'm glad as well. I have no regrets. I'm glad as well. That was the bubbly and resilient Lady Ray. Join me, Joanna Chaundy, next time when I'll be chatting to a member of an infamous girl group signed by Puff Daddy to Bad Boy Records. Hey, what's up? This is Kima from the 90s girl group Total Bad Boy Records. And if you don't know, now you know. And I'm hanging with my Baggy Jean podcast.